It's the Sagabit Swinging Report Show. Get ready for Saga news and commentary with your hosts, George and Barry. Hello and welcome to episode 51 of the Sagabit Swinging Report Show. Atlas sold. We actually have a title before we actually do the show. That's, um, that's very rare. It's very, very rare, but that's because we actually know what we're going to talk about tonight. We knew last week, too. Anyway, with me is George. Hi. And we have from Sonic Retro and Sagabits writer, Bartman. Yeah, all right, that's me. How's it going, guys? Great. So, um, yeah, uh, let's uh, go around and say what we've been up to and what we've been playing, because we... Haven't talked about that for a while. Last week we had a very big show and we went right into the the guests. So uh, George, why don't you kick us off? Oh, what I've been playing? Sure. I, why I, not? I haven't. Uh, I've been playing uh, Awesome Knots, I guess. But besides that, I haven't actually been playing that many games. I haven't had time. I've been actually kind of busy. I almost didn't make this podcast because I completely forgot about it. And uh, <laughs> but uh, besides that, I've been uh, watching Breaking Bad, catching up to that, which we can't even discuss because there's so many plot spoilers on that show. And uh, that's about it. That's all I've been up to. Been busy. Crazy. Breaking Bad is pretty much at the end or getting close to the end, isn't it? Uh, yeah, two more they're, episodes. They're all trapped Jeez. under a dome, I guess. I think you've been watching and... the wrong show. <laughs> well, it has that same guy in it, right? It's close enough. Same okay, show. Good. It's close enough. <laughs> Do they go beyond Thunderdome? I hope so. Uh, let's see. Well, what I've been up to and what I've been playing. I've been just doing the usual stuff, going to work and stuff. Uh, I've been playing the exact same games I've been playing last time we talked about it, which was Project X Zone. So, But this time I'm actually close to done. Uh, I'm about 40 hours in and at like the 33rd chapter, and I think there's 40 total. Um, nice. Overall, I mean... It's it's fun though. I'm a little disappointed that the new characters stop appearing at about the halfway point, which makes sense because you don't want to like play till like the last episode and then you finally get like ooh la la to play as. So it makes sense to get a bulk of the characters but so you still, can play with them for a you, bit. You just want more characters. That's that's the yeah. Thing. Like I want them to keep coming on, but at this point I have I think all the characters that you can play as. So, but the the new locations are pretty cool. I really like the Gain Ground stage, and there was a Ghosts and Goblins stage with some, like, altered rules where you need to find the key and things like that, so. You could also talk cool. about uh, iOS 7 since you got oh, that, yeah. right? Yeah, I just updated to that. We were, uh, last night I had about four devices updating, my 3DS and then three iOS devices, so, um. Yeah, I was putting a lot of stress on the internet, but um, it's nice. I like it. I mean, from a, a design standpoint, as a designer, I think it cut out a lot of unnecessary things. That I mean, it looked nice, but the iPhone, you know, you don't need the screen to show you a little switch inside of like a track. It's it's unnecessary. So, yeah, I, I like it so far. So good. The people are saying it's glitchy. Have you had any glitches on it? Um, the I haven't. The only glitches I've had is with the, the clock appearing on apps where the clock isn't supposed to appear, so it bumps the screen down so the bottom part isn't showing. You know, like maybe 10 pixels. It's not oh. that big, but um, I don't like how the 
on the home screen, all the information at the top is in white. So if you have a bright picture, you can't see your uh, statuses, I guess. Yeah. Um, so I've, I've spent a long time trying to find the right photo. I still have, can't see like all my bars cause I have like some white anyway, overall I like it. Uh, but it's, there's room for improvement. The calendar app that I don't use, I guess people don't like. I never use a calendar app on my phone. I, I know people are obsessed with it. I don't, I'm, I, I'm just too late. I guess I don't have enough. I don't want to like put my stuff, my schedule in a phone. Yeah, like it just seems like I could be doing something instead of doing that. Yeah, the the only time I ever use it is to see when I'm going to get paid. So usually, <laughs> the only important thing. Yeah, I make some decent use out of the calendar functions for my phone, but I use Android for my stuff. So I have a tablet and a phone that's linked to my Google account, and they all link together with. Uh, everything I put in there. So if I want to schedule like a plane ride or a doctor's appointment, it works out pretty well for that kind of stuff. Nice. So is it the Google, isn't the Google calendars on uh, on Android or I mean on Apple stuff? It could be. I, I mean, I don't really know for certain, but I would assume if for like stuff like Google plus and uh, other like Gmail, like Gmail, didn't that come on there? Like either last year or something like that recently. Mm hmm. Yeah, so they must have just added that not too long ago. Uh, but, yeah, like, I, I don't know. I guess it just depends on, like, if you have, like, things that you need to keep track of, which is if you need to make use of a calendar. And I, I, I'm like, I'm with Bart. Well, I'm I'm the same as Bartman. I, I kind of gave into the Android ecosystem, and once you kind of, like, step in, you kind of have to stay there because you bought all these apps. And mm-hmm. so now I can't switch over. But yeah, I, I can't do it either. <laughs> <laughs> so what what have you been up to, Bart? Actually, speaking of Android, uh, so Sonic and Sega All Stars Racing recently came out for Android. Did you buy it? Yeah, I, I bought it. I mean, it was two bucks. So I figured, why not? I mean, it's like chump change at that point. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's basically based on the Nintendo DS version, and I don't really like that version. And this one doesn't really do anything to fix that. In fact, it has less features than uh, the DS version, but it's pretty much identical to the Apple version, as far as I, as far as I recall. Like it has less levels, it has less characters, but it, the game, like the game controls, are similar enough. Like the drifting mechanic is almost like directly lifted from it. It feels ha- terrible because <laughs> you hold one button to drift, and it's very easy to switch drift like you would in like outrun or in a transformed where you know normally in those games you would have to tap the button to switch the direction of your car but with the with all sega all-stars racing you just tilt left or right and your character will immediately start turning in that direction and uh that's how you gain boost but you can like alternate turning left and right and you're just building up boost and it and it feels clumsy in like certain areas, especially for some of the more complicated tracks. Since there's like one button to slow down, but that also that button is also to reverse your car. So when you try to make when you try to maneuver through some of the turns of the tracks, it just it's really difficult to do, especially in like one of the later levels where you have to uh, like you literally have to slow down because the the turns are just so sharp. Mm. But if but trying to brake, it makes your car go backwards. And if you try to drift into it, your car can't turn sharp enough to make that make that maneuver. It's it's not a great version of the game. 
but for two bucks, it's not. I mean, it's probably one of the better mobile racing games that are already on the the Android store right now. And it also has the the free to play model, despite costing two dollars. So if you want to unlock all the characters, you can spend real real bucks on uh, Sega Miles to get the the other characters and tracks to play for like multiplayer. Nice. Which is which. Uh, That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like for for whatever reason, like Knuckles went from being the cheapest character to buy from the console ones to the most expensive for like seven hundred fifty thousand miles. And you, uh, like completing a Grand Prix, you get about hundred thousand miles, uh, which, it, which when you when it comes to unlocking a lot of the stuff, it's going to take an extremely uh, such a long time. Mm-hmm. I think that's so. the, I think that's one of the issues with these microtransaction uh, models. They say, oh, you don't have to buy the you don't have to buy the points, but they they pretty much make the game where. You kind of want to do it just because they they kind of extend mm-hmm. the buying for you know you can't buy it for free you I mean because it takes so long. That's why but, I, I got out of playing The Simpsons Tapped Out because <laughs> it's nothing but just waiting around for crap to happen. It's not fun, and it's. I was gonna say the opposite. I actually like that they at least give you a lot of free buildings, and by free I mean you use the in-game fake cash. Yeah, I mean, if you want to use the stuff that you're already given, it it's decent. But if you want to get some of the cooler stuff, mm-hmm. you have like if you want to take advantage of like a building that was based off of last last Sunday's episode, you gotta churn in all your donuts and your hard earned XP and cash to get all this uh, cool exclusive stuff. It's it's just not a whole lot of fun. Oh, and uh, one other complaint I have for All Stars Racing. Since it's directly an iOS port, like all the screen graphics are basically made to fit that resolution. So on Android, it looks stretched. Like my one pet peeve for a lot of Android iOS to Android ports is that they don't they don't uh, accommodate for the, the different resolutions. Especially the fact since a lot of Android phones have widescreen displays. So yeah, that's another one of my pet peeves about mobile gaming. It's great. It's like when you own the Dreamcast and you kept getting N64 ports. Yeah. <laughs> well, to be fair, there were some decent 64 ports like Revolt and Rayman 2 come to mind. In fact, I've been messing up with, uh, since uh, we've been doing, we, there's the month of Dreamcast going on for Sigabits. I've been doing the stream. Yeah. So I've been looking into like my old library and I've also been trying to look into purchasing some additional stuff for my Dreamcast. Uh, I didn't get a whole lot for this month since I'm kind of strapped for cash, but I picked up Marvel vs. Capcom 1 and the Bleemcast booter disc for Metal Gear Solid uh, just to kind of show off for the stream. It's kind of funny. I mean, it's kind of funny being able to play Metal Gear Solid on there, and it does a pretty decent job, especially considering that it's actually a better emulator than uh, the Genesis emulator through uh, on Sega Smash Pack. <laughs> yeah. But it's still got some. It's still got some severe issues in terms of uh, displaying graphics. But it does look all right when you output it through VGA, which is what I'm doing. I've seen the Tekken disc at a local. What is it? Tekken Three, I think they have. Yeah, it's Tekken Three, Gran Turismo Two, and Metal Gear Solid are the only three that came out officially. Man, do you remember when initially there was like we're gonna release? I think like volumes, and like one would have a hundred games. They had a. 
they had an ad for I think it was the Dreamcast magazine where yep. Bleem said we're going to bring a hundred title brand new titles to the Dreamcast, and it was the Bleem logo. That's it's insane. Kind of, it's kind of funny, like they were extremely snarky about what they were doing uh, when it came to, you know, making these booters and emulators for PC and Dreamcast. Like if you look on the packaging, it says like, you know, they shot out directly against lawyers, especially since they were being sued by Sony after the the PC emulator came out. Mm-hmm. And funny enough, like they would have made it had they not run out of money through all those lawsuits that they were going through. Like they actually uh, were able to... I mean, they they were able to survive, not survive, they were able to not get sued by Sony, but they unfortunately lost a lot of money due to uh, legal fees that they had to pay, lawyers that they had to pay for, for those uh, uh, those court hearings, and unfortunately that just what did them in. It's, it's kind of weird if you think about it, though. These guys were going to do an emulator, and they got this whole – enough money at least to put ads out. Like, were they mm-hmm. a company before this? Were they – like, I don't understand. Like, I never I heard of I, them. I think they just kind of came out of nowhere. Like, the lead programmer was uh, the guy who did the Super Nintendo port of Doom. And then I don't know what he did between then and, you know, from then to uh, the Dreamcast uh, or Dream, to the Bleem emulator. But they did kind of come out of nowhere. Uh, with that with that bleem stuff, and of course by now you know there's been so many other advances through emulation tech, uh, so much so that afterwards Sony pretty much hired the uh, some of the people involved with bleem to work on emulation for the PlayStation Three. <laughs> so that's pretty I mean, that's, funny. It's kind of funny, especially since uh, if uh, Sony finds a direct competitor and it, if they they can at least kind of bleed them out and then say, hey, you know, <laughs> you're kind of fucked, so. We can totally bring you guys in if you really want to. <laughs> like with the Sony hacking thing and all that other stuff. It's kind of crazy. That's too funny. I remember reading about that and I was so excited. I was like, because they had the Bleem controllers too. Yeah. And I was, I was like, I'm going to get two Bleem controllers. I'm going to buy Bleemcast and I'm going to have a PlayStation. Like I didn't own a PlayStation before that. So I was like, this is awesome. So I'm, I'm assuming that's exactly what they didn't want. <laughs> I, yeah. I, 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 I mean, there a- are prototypes out there if you can find them. Yeah, I had a PlayStation, but I kind of wanted it because they would have, like, ads where they showed, like, I guess, or I think it was a preview I saw, but it had, like, Crash Bandicoot, and then they showed you, like, the Apple or the Orange or whatever the, the, I don't know what the hell those things are. You know, in Crash Bandicoot, those little fruits you eat? The Wumpa Fruit. There you go. And uh, they're all pixelated on the PlayStation, but when they showed the Blinkcast, it looked really smooth, and I was like, oh, this looks awesome. This is, I need this. Like, I could sell my PlayStation and get extra money and buy more PlayStation games and a Blinkcast disc. But, uh, too bad it never came out. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of funny since those were just flat 2D te- textures or sprites that they were using yeah. for the one fruit. Uh, and it, if people are wondering what the controls would be like for Metal Gear Solid uh, on Dreamcast, so basically they mapped it to where you have L2 and R2 on the shoulders. You have the left analog stick because it's in analog mode for whatever reason for uh, for the left thumb stick, and uh, down on the D-pad is your select button, and left and right on the D-pad are L1 and R1 respectively, and then of course the face buttons are on A, B, X, and Y, which means you have to hit B to accept menu items, and A is cancel because <laughs> Metal Gear Solid did that thing where you'd use circle for. Uh, accepting things and cross the X button for canceling. Just like in the, uh, like, uh, cause that's how it is in Japan for, uh, 
the button layout, like uh, circle is accept and cross is cancel. So strange. It's kind of funny how they, they kind of reverse that or just did other weird things in America. But yeah, I've just that's pretty much what I've been messing with. Uh, just a lot of Dreamcast stuff, trying to trick uh, non-VGA g- uh, games to run in VGA mode. That was kind of interesting, like Trick Style and South Park Rally. Those are also not very good games, but hey, <laughs> it's kind of interesting that I can get them working. Mm-hmm. I wonder. What, I wonder. <laughs> uh, did did uh, Barry? Did you play any uh, Dreamcast games in VGA when they were in the height of the Dreamcast? No, I didn't start doing that until about, I think, three years ago when I got a VGA box off eBay. Um, but it's it's insane, the quality of it. I mean, sitting back on my couch playing Jet Set Radio, or um, I was even looking at uh, the stream you were doing, Bartman, where it had the uh, Looney Tunes Space Race. Oh, it looks fantastic. That looks really good. Like, the, the intro movie with Foghorn Leghorn looks so good. It looks um, like... Obviously, the character models don't look as, you know, fantastic. It won't look as good as, like, modern 3D graphics do now. But yeah. back then, like, that's, you know, running at that speed just looks amazing, uh, you know, coming from that game system back in 1999 to 2000. Mm-hmm. Like, also, like, several Dreamcast games look really good through VGA. I mean, Looney Tunes Space Race, Rayman 2 looks great. It's actually the best-looking version uh, especially if you compare it to the PC version, because PC versions were less based off, kind of based off the 64 version, but it has less, it doesn't have all the detail that the Dreamcast version does. And of course, like the Sonic Avenger games, they look pretty good on there. Plus Rayman 2 had uh, 16 by 9 you had to stretch it, but it still looked good. Yeah, yeah, that, some games had uh, widescreen modes where it would just basically do, it would just, it would do the Wii, the what it would do for the Wii, where it would just stretch the uh, 640 by 480 image, and you would just have to use your TV to kind of stretch that out artificially. Like uh, Wacky Races does it. Um, I'm trying to remember what else. Toy Commander does it as well. Mm-hmm. I'm surprised that Sonic Adventure didn't do it, considering Knights was in 16 by 9 on the Saturn. Yeah, I don't know what what the deal is with that. Like, there's a handful of Sega Saturn games that were widescreen. Like, Knights is one of them. Panzer Dragoon's another one. Yeah, I don't know what what went on there, but it's, uh, I mean, it's kind of weird, especially since like, you know, like the like what Nintendo did for the GameCube. Like, you could technically play games in widescreen if any of the developers chose to do it, but like Nintendo themselves opted for just four by three screens. Uh, and, you know, for, like, the Wii, they started, you know, make, taking advantage of, like, widescreen displays and things like that. I guess they would, I guess it just kind of goes by, you know, what is popular in, uh, you know, and what is the standard in uh, consumers' homes at this time. And that's probably what they what they go by. Mm-hmm. Oh, Nintendo, never thinking ahead. Yeah. Um, and then Sega we... thought too far ahead. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, should we move on to the first big piece of Sega news? Oh uh, yeah, I've, I'm pretty much done with what I got. All right, great. Uh, so the big news this week was that Sega Sammy acquired Atlas's owner Index Corp for 14 billion yen. Um, scientists are still working out what that translates to in other currencies, but it's 14 billion yen in Japan. Uh, are they also working out what characters will cross over in Sonic and All Stars Racing Transformed? That's actually one of our listener questions, Ooh. Uh, which we should we should probably just answer. 
when we'll while we're talking about this. But uh, first off, what do you what are your guys' thoughts on it? I mean, personally, I could just say I have never really followed Atlas's games. I own a few. I realized I didn't know I did. But um, you, who you want to start? Think? You got to make one of us start because I don't. George. Want to... All right. Um, <laughs> you, you're so vocal. <laughs> I was going to say, uh, for a business standpoint, I mean, how much did they buy them for? $100 million US or how much was it? I don't even know. We don't um, know. No one knows. Man. <laughs> God. Nobody translated that? Um, I'm a scientist. Business standpoint, I think it was kind of bad considering the fact that they bought Relic for like $26 million and Relic sells – call company heroes will probably sell a couple million copies. And I don't think – Atlas actually has a game that sold a couple million copies, but uh, yeah, they're not that big. I mean, they're kind of a niche Japanese company, but they they do kind of turn a profit. Like they do pretty well for themselves. Like they're probably one of the bigger niche Japanese companies, uh, game developers out there. Like they make some. Like they're mostly kind of known for like Shin Megami Tensei, and they do some deals with some people. Like obviously Sega has done a deal with them for Machina X, and. Yeah. Uh, like, uh, uh, what's another one? Like, back in the day when they did Snowboard Kids with Rakdim. Well, I think they're planning... Uh, I think they think Sega thinks that some of their franchises are worth the money that they're putting up because they're kind of conservative when they buy teams. Like, they bought uh, Sports Interactive and uh, was it, uh, Creative Assembly for pretty cheap, and they have pretty big franchises that continuously sell millions of copies. Like so football manager, I think. Oh well, Creative Assembly did football manager, right? I don't remember. Creative, no, it's Sports Interactive that does a football manager. Oh, you're right, Creative right, right, Assembly right. does a uh, Total War games. Yes. And uh, so it's pretty interesting. They obviously think there's some value there. Uh, I kind of, I, I personally like their games. I like their uh, Persona games. I like their, uh, well, they have a lot of games. They, uh, Demon Souls, they brought over from Sony and they made it sell how much? Like three hundred thousand plus copies. And it, now, it, well, you know, go on. well, that was from software that did Demon Souls and Dark Souls. Yeah, but they published it in the U.S. That's what I'm saying. As, yes. as a as a publisher in the U.S., they could get a, a game that nobody thinks will make money, and make it sell. Like Sega can't even make their Yakuza games sell over forty thousand cop units. So well, they cater to a very specific crowd, uh, for better or worse, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but you know, they like. I will definitely say that they make some pretty good games, but uh, yeah, go ahead and continue your point. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh yeah, um, they make really—I mean—they make really good games. They have a—they have a target audience that that is loyal and passionate. I mean, almost every single game does pretty decently. Like I think they just released uh, Dragon Crown. I believe you're right. Yeah. So Dragon I mean, I—I'm hoping that Sega West uh, or Sega Japan. Starts bringing their more Nietzsche games through Atlas, I guess their uh, Western branch, and because they obviously know how to like promote a game in the U.S. without too much of a budget, and Sega West doesn't seem to be able to like promote games. Like they've released some RPGs like Resonance of Fate and um, where's the other one? I can't even remember now. Sands of Destruction, like for the DS a long time ago, and the reason mm. I bring that one up is because I have a Sega site. I cover Sega stuff. And I didn't even know the game came out. Like, <laughs> I was like, the game came out, and I looked. It was like it came out three months before I even covered it. So, I don't know. That's my thoughts on it. I think it, it could be good or bad. I guess it depends on what Sega does. Mm-hmm. I what can at I... least say 
what currently, you know, currently what, what could be the case is that Sega's going to kind of let them continue on as they've been doing. Because, uh, I mean, we've already got, like, a uh, official statement from Atlas from uh, head of the Consumer Software Department, Naoto Hiroka, who was apparently, who used to run Atlas USA. So, basically... W- what they've been they've been consolidated into Sega like uh, what, what's it called again Sega Dream Sega Dreamcast no Sega Dream Corp ah is almost there I know <laughs> but yeah they're gonna be they're basically putting them under that wing and it's and, and of course it was like Sega of Japan that bought the company and they're basically just kind of letting them go as they're they've been doing for the past couple of years. Probably to kind of finish up some current deals and projects that they've been working on at, at this time, and then afterwards they were talking about how how they would have then would have stronger ties with Sega at that point in time. I don't know if that's going to mean anything regarding like if Atlas USA is going to change, if their semi non-existence in Europe is going to change. Uh, I mean that that stuff's unfortunately going to be up in the air. But from the way it sounds, it sounds like they're going to try and. Do better ties with uh, with Sega in general uh, in terms of like distribution and things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't I don't think they're going to be in too much trouble. Uh, at the very least, they're going to have a very strong presence in Japan. I mean, last year Sega was helping them publish games in Japan, uh, probably because due to financial issues or something similar to that. Uh, so I, I, I assume that they, there's not really a whole lot to worry about at the moment. And considering I don't really recall any other company that Sega bought that they kind of dispersed, you know, like what you would expect out of like Konami, you know, regarding Hudson Soft. Like, I don't think we're going to be seeing that happening with Sega. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of doom and gloom speakers out there who are like, well, Sega sucks. Da, 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 da. Well, honestly, there's not really any other company you would have want them to work with like. I've been trying to see if I could look into the different bidders for the um, for the Atlas for the Atlas company for Inde- Index and Jerome. They bought Index. That's what exactly happened with this uh, bidding war. But you know, Capcom's not really in a position to purchase anybody at the moment or do much of anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't really know why anybody would want Namco to do it because I, I kind of think Namco sucks. Uh, I want to say like Nintendo didn't sort of didn't care, even though they are doing deals with like uh, the latest Shin Megami Tensei game on the 3DS and the crossover with Fire Emblem. But I thought I read somewhere that Nintendo wasn't even bidding on them. But uh, then I'm hearing conflicting things saying that they were like the number two bidder. So I don't Hmm. know what's going on with that. Uh, Other bidders included like Microsoft. And that would have been a that would have been a death sentence for things happening in the West because you know, Microsoft doesn't want smaller companies working outside of their outside of their wake. I don't think so. They would probably consolidate them or lay everybody off, and then they would try to handle every everything in the West themselves. But they wouldn't really know how exactly Atlas plays their strategies out in America, so that would have fallen apart. And with the Xbox kind of being uh, basically like ignored amongst most Japanese consumers that probably would have worked against their favor and then they probably would have just dispersed them into Microsoft Japan or something like that. And uh, see, of course you don't really want Konami to do it because then they would have consolidated them into the company. 
So really, I don't see, for the way that things sound, it seems like Sega is probably the best case scenario uh, outside of maybe like J-Trust, but I don't really know much of anything about that company. Oh, I love J-Trust. Oh, what a, oh man. What, what, Growing what up you... as a kid, man, J-Trust. What, 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 <laughs> who's this company? What do they publish? Yeah, I, they're a holding company. I don't really know what oh. exactly they do. That's the thing. <laughs> Apparently, Barry's head over heels over this company. Oh, guys, don't get me started on J Trust. <laughs> he can oh, tell man. you stories. Oh man, I could go on all night, so I don't even want to. <laughs> but um, oh, with with the way that uh, Sega's been purchasing a lot of uh, developers over the past years, I'm getting kind of a Disney vibe from them, where they're sort of just building their empire by purchasing smaller studios that uh, have a proven track record, at least aside from, what is it, Secret Level? Um, yeah, Secret, that, Le- Secret that, Level did the Unreal Tournament port for Dreamcast. Oh, wow. That's why they got well, actually. <laughs> no, go ahead. Oh, I was going to... Uh, go on, Barry? No, <laughs> you go. Me? Oh, I was going to yes. say... Uh, Secret level was a, like a mistake from a different era of Sega. That's like the t- the Sonic 2006 era, the 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 mistake, yeah. the, the, the aliens col- colonial marines era that sadly stuck around for a while. Yeah, it did. I don't. I, it's really hard to say. Like that shouldn't have happened whatsoever. It, that like regarding like colonial marines, like that was mostly the fault of Gearbox and. Kind of makes me wish that I didn't have them as a Texas developer, but so be it. Here they are in my uh, in my home state. But yeah, and of course, TimeGate is now gone, et cetera, et cetera. But they were not wholly owned by Sega whatsoever, and you know that's probably a testament as to exactly how they're going to handle Atlas. You know that was that almost seems like a hands-off approach, kind of letting Gearbox do their own thing after Colonial Marines has been kind of, I assume it's been kind of shopping around before Sega got a hold of it. Am I correct about that? Or have, uh, they, have they always had, you know, been working with Gearbox with Aliens? I had thought that the project was either canceled or put on hold and then started again. I, I, I'm, pre- I'm pretty sure it was always a Gearbox ga- game because I remember when uh, I first saw the leaked image like in 2006... Uh, somebody on the Sega forums found like a a, a page that says said aliens, but it'd be re- re- like they read the bottom and it was like Gearbox and some other company, and uh, okay. so I'm assuming that they were there since day one. I, I think maybe a mistake since day one, but because yeah. I mean I remember they would hype it up saying, oh these guys did this port for uh, Half Life, and they did those uh, Brother in Arms. It could be a good game, but uh, even even after they made Borderlands, it was still a mistake. So, <laughs> oh well. I think I think overall it's it's a good it's a good buy. I think it'll work out well. I I think it's funny seeing the way Sega is positioning themselves for next generation. They could be one of the top three developers if they play their cards right. I mean, they already have studios that have huge franchises that in the West on PC at least mm-hmm. that they just release a new entry. They make they they they'll sell over a million copies guaranteed. They and now they have a. A, a, a niche Japanese uh, publisher that has a bunch of IPs that uh, that make profit. So it should be interesting. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like At- Atlas is like the uh, the creative assembly for Japan now. Sega Japan. <laughs> that sounds know. appropriate. 
I mean, that sounds about right, uh, considering, you know, they don't, they mostly make RPGs, like, they're, they're kind of low budget in terms of what they make, like, Catherine was a half million seller when that game came out, and that wasn't necessarily, it wasn't really a huge game, it was a quirky puzzle game with, uh, sort of dating sim-like elements involved with it, but it was very, that aspect of the game was very light compared to the, uh, the main game, which was the puzzle game. And, it, uh, and it's kept its value. I mean, uh, I think if you get it used, it's, you still have to pay $25. When's the last time you saw a game from Sega that came out, like, let's say in the last two years, that cost uh, that cost more than uh, $20? I got, the, I think the other day I saw uh, Anarchy Rings for $8 used. Shit. So, <laughs> I mean, like... I saw, I saw Samba Amigo Wii for $0.99 cents used at GameStop. <laughs> going price for it. <laughs> So, I already owned it, but I was going to buy another. <laughs> the, Atlas is one of those companies that could keep a premium, uh, or, or I guess not a premium price, but a pretty decent price on their games, and they'll still move enough copies to warrant the price. Well, I would assume they just don't really put out, they don't have the capacity to put out that many units for a game. It really is a sort of a tight knit between, you know, Atlas fans you know, dealing with supply and demand. Like, they have a dedicated... I'm sure they have a dedicated following, but uh, they also have, like... They're pretty good at, you know, trying to uh, raise awareness of their of their games that are coming out mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, keeping up with the demand. Like, Persona is definitely one of the biggest things that they've had to deal with in recent years. So much so that they've actually gone ahead with, like, a dedicated TV show for Persona 4 and a, and a movie for 4 and 3 a fighting game spinoff and all the, all this other merchandise like, uh, uh, that, that, that was involved with the game and the, sh- and the TV show. Uh, but normally they don't do things like that. Uh, but probably things like that kind of got them, uh, a little too big for the britches. I mean, the index in general had kind of a weird, uh, history of like buying out different, uh, or like getting like majority share, in like different companies, like Matt, groups like Madhouse, the animation company, and iMode, which was like this mobile uh, mobile developer. Of course, now uh, Madhouse is not with with them. They lost. They got either they got, either got rid of their most of their shares or something similar to that. So they don't own that company anymore. Sega doesn't own them. So that was my bad. When do I put do that we on. know? Do we know what what other things index? I mean, is it just Atlas? Because I know they sold a lot, like you said, Madhouse or whatever. Uh, well, Mad, Madhouse is no longer with them, but like yeah. I said, iMode, which is like they're uh, a mobile development developer company Didn't or something like that. Didn't they have an anime studio too? Or did There's, they sell that too? That was, that was just Madhouse, but that was oh, it. They, they got rid of them before, like in 2011, before uh, Sega got a hold of Index. Oh. So, yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't really recall what all... Sega purchased in that index acquisition, but uh, they definitely got a number of, number of different things. But I can't really list them off the top of my head. I'm looking here. It says um, uh, Index Corporation selling the it's the digital game business, contents and solution business, and amusement business to the Sega Dream Corporation. I'm pretty sure and, they like that amusement. Yeah, well, I'm looking here under their subsidiaries. There's the Index Multimedia group there is the index digital media index amusement incorporated which includes a cg production studio hmm. um as well as index corp 
Thailand. Um, I'm not sure what the CG production studio is, uh, but um, that's interesting. Uh, it's weird because I don't think I've ever seen CG in any Atlas game, so... <laughs> uh, there's been some, like Catherine definitely... Uh, well, okay, no, that's a lie. It doesn't make use of CG animation. That's all in-game cutscenes. But uh, outside of that, it's most of been... Like, it's weird because they dealt with Madhouse to uh, create additional cutscenes for, like, Persona 4 Golden. And I think they worked with uh, worked with them for Catherine. Now, I know whenever, like, Sega acquires new companies, there's always that big argument. Well, you know, like, once a game's released, people argue, oh, well, it's not a Sega game. It's a it's an Atlas game. Release, you know, Sega just publishes it. But um, do you think there will be a point when we start seeing games that have much more of a Sega uh, influence, or for example, when the Creative Assembly releases their Total War games, even up till now, people go, "Well, it's it's not really a Sega game; it's a Creative Assembly game." But I mean, I argue Creative Assembly is owned by Sega, so in essence, it's a, just as much a Sega game as Sonic is a Sega game or Shenmue is a Sega game. Well, but, their um, their financial backing is essentially going to be a big part of it. So, mm-hmm. like and, it or not, like they have right. to deal with marketing and uh, several other aspects that you know that are involved with game development. Mm-hmm. I so, mean, you reach those points though where there are new IPs like the Viking Games uh, game, which I'd argue, since it's a new IP developed internally by Sega by a company owned by Sega, then it's. I mean, there isn't really that much outside, like, pre-existing influence when, you know, they bought the company and they were already, like, developing Viking. So I'm wondering if we're going to reach a point where we start seeing Atlas titles that have much more of a Sega influence or it starts to become more of a Sega brand just as Total War is or... Yeah, we probably like won't see that until maybe like a year later or something like that. But yeah. until then, we, it's Atlas is going to kind of run as they've been doing for the past several years. Uh, and of course, none of Sega's uh, management really takes over until uh, until November, mm-hmm. uh, November the 1st. So until then, they're basically just going to... They're probably going to do what they're, they've been doing for about a year, and then we'll kind of see what's going to happen with, between Atlas and Sega and see what happens at that point. So well, so now now that we're talking, like, what what crossover would you want to see, like characters from the Atlas? I want Chie and Sonic and All Stars Racing Transform right now. I'm I don't care what anybody says. Let's do it. I already drew up some concept art. I'll give it to Steve Lysett. He's gonna pay me big money. Have I seen that? Uh, I posted it all over like Twitter and <laughs> the the retro and Sega Bits forums. I actually tweet, tweeted that picture towards Jeff Gersman because he was at, he was making a crack about like uh, somebody in a boardroom probably went can Chia Satanaka drive in a go kart, <laughs> and then uh, like I tweeted that to him and he re- he and like twenty six others retweeted that image. I felt so proud. <laughs> we should note the the Atlas IP crossover was a Twitter question from Maddie, the only person who listens to our show. Uh, so <laughs> he to <it laughs> thank so you so avidly too. Like yeah yeah he's angry when we don't do it. But uh, so thanks to him. But um, I'd like to see Jack Frost, who I believe is the, um, the he's their mascot character yeah. for Atlas. He's creepy looking, but I'd like to see him. Like I, I'd, I'd imagine we're going to eventually see some official art of like him and some Sega characters high fiving. 
in front of like a Japanese cake. Uh, or something. I'll even <laughs> accept the snowboard kids in Sonic and All Stars Racing Transform. Maybe they're fretting a a snowmobile snowmobile or something like that. Just to disappoint everybody and bring up a weird character from the Persona series. I'll pick the the kid in Persona Three that wanted to date his teacher, and if you like, actually, you Kenji. know, uh, you know what, what's his name? I think his name's Kenji. If, if I'm not mistaken, I could be wrong though. Yeah, it's it's actually pretty funny because if you if you actually do the social link, he actually dates the teacher. I forgot what happens, but yeah, it's pretty interesting. Uh, it, I, th- I I I recall what it said what happens, but uh, I think for the sake of the podcast, we will not spoil it for the journal. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, it's, it's pretty funny. Yeah, that, that's one of the RPGs I always like. When I I never really got into the Persona series until I played that one on the, the PSP, and then I played the PS2 version, and it's way better, I think, because you could actually move around. But um, it has better presentation than the PSP yeah, one, that's for yeah. sure. Yeah, and uh, what what I liked about it is always the dialogue, even though, like, even though the, if you think about it, the game isn't really that high budget that the combat system isn't anything special but the interaction with the characters was is like kind of what makes you come back and th- that stuff you don't need a high budget for that you just you just need really good writers and i guess it also begs the question like is atlas going to be hand- like that's probably one of the biggest questions that i don't think we really i don't know if we touch upon where is atlas going to be taking over localization of uh, certain Sega games, like are we going to finally see Valkyria Chronicles three with uh, this uh, body pillow included free with pre-order? Well, they uh, definitely <laughs> have a staff that does translation, correct? In the USA, yeah, Atlas yeah. USA, which is sort of their own company, uh, but they're they're still, I mean, they're obviously still tied with the main Atlas group, but they also pu- publish games that are not related to atlas whatsoever to try and get some of the more niche japanese games out there and uh more recently they've been publishing stuff like xeno clash 2 which is uh definitely not japanese at all but it's still weird as hell mm-hmm. so i'm going to assume that shin uh what was it shin megumi tyson x fire emblem is that going to be i mean it's that's, published by nintendo but i wonder if uh, is going to get a cut uh they're probably going to get a cut now and that's all that's shin megami tensei megami yeah, is a, uh, but yeah, they're they're probably going to be starting get uh, I mean they're probably going to start starting get a cut of uh, those profits for that game as well as a uh, current uh, Atlas published games right now. <laughs> it seems like Sega always buys a company right before a really big game comes out, then they get the money. I wouldn't be surprised if PlayStation Vita starts putting out like a greatest hits selection. We probably start seeing like Persona Four Golden with the Sega logo, and then we would have. to yeah, that's also God. That's the other thing. Like, what are we gonna do for Sega Retro? Like, I haven't really, we haven't really talked with Scarred Son of what exactly is gonna happen with all that. But we're probably gonna ignore everything that happened before the before, buyout. Yeah, <laughs> that's the best thing to do. Otherwise, no, you're gonna have to you, go you back need to put all those you. all those weird niche games that they made. How many have yeah. they? Pu- they've made a lot of games, so that's gonna be a lot of articles to write up. Yeah, a lot of articles for games that nobody would really play. <laughs> That's true. Well, maybe some Sega fans are like looking back and actually buying games now to get a uh, some sense. But I think uh, their best games are more recent. I think during the PS2 generation is when they really hit their stride. Game I would definitely agree with that. I mean, they there's been some decent stuff that they had that came out. Like I I have a soft spot for Snowboard Kids, even though that's 
not a terribly great uh, Mario Kart clone. <laughs> oh, and of course, there's like several like handheld games they came out with. Like, it's mostly just like strategy games and RPGs that stuff I don't really get into, like Yogdra Union or whatever it's called. But yeah, all that stuff, games I don't really care about. <laughs> so but yeah. somebody does. I guess we'll uh, we'll be learning more soon. Hopefully, we've reached out to some people at Sega, so hopefully we'll hear some stuff on the Western side, either uh, official or just their thoughts or feelings on the uh, on the buy. It would be great to hear more about Atlas USA. Definitely, I think that's one thing that we haven't really heard much about. And there's there's some people thinking that Sega. Sega of America is going to close down, and that's going to be. I, I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah, no, um, no, nothing extreme like that's going to happen anytime soon. If anything, um, it might be a few jobs lost at Atlas USA, unless you know they they find that there's there's more than enough work needed for multiple positions doing the same thing. I don't know. It's interesting, but. Yeah. Um, Bartman, did you want to talk about your trip to PAX? Are we all through with talking Atlas? Yeah, we're uh, good. No, I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> all right, <laughs> you let's want to talk about PAX? Then. No, I'm joking. Yeah. Tell us about what uh, what did you what did you do? What did you see? How'd it go? I'll say I'll say this much. Unfortunately, that was probably like one of the worst Penny Arcade expos that I've uh, that I've experienced, and it's not because of like the event itself, more so because of like a lot of the other crap that happened with me and uh, my friends, like. Uh, before I got there, like I had a friend whose car, who was driving their car home, and it hydroplaned in the rain, and yeah. she got in a wreck. So that kind of got in the way of things uh, as I was, you know, coming in by plane. And then, of course, uh, I got sick. So we tried to get there on Friday, but we had to kind of help my friend, you know, take care of some errands because she was getting ready for college uh, at Digipen. Which is uh, not something you want to, uh, you know, want something lagging behind, especially for Digipen, because that place is definitely high in priority in terms of like studying and whatnot. And then of course uh, Friday we tried to get there. We got there like 15 minutes before the the show floor closed, so I didn't get to play games then. And of course Saturday I got sick and uh, I still couldn't play games, so that was two of the three days gone of my vacation. So that kind of sucked. Uh, but yeah, outside of that, like I got to experience uh, most of what Sega had on offer at Penny Arcade Expo, uh, and uh, they seemed like they had a pretty strong, uh, strong showing there. Um, one of the games I didn't get a chance to play, and oddly enough, was actually the number one game that was uh, that was shown off for Sega. But it wasn't at Sega's booth; it was Bayonetta two at uh, Nintendo's booth. Ironically, uh, like there weren't really any lines for any of the Wii U games at Nintendo's booth, except like either Saturday or Sunday. They kind of discovered the Bayonetta two lines were getting a little long, so they had like a two-hour wait line for uh, Bayonetta two structured at that point. And uh, since I, I didn't really have the right press privileges, I couldn't really, you know, make any headway, so I didn't get a chance to play that game. But it looks like Bayonetta two. Uh, <laughs> I can at least say that much. Um, I can probably also say, like, um, in terms of, like, what was the strongest showing there, like, they had, like, Sonic Lost World was obviously, was somehow behind Bayonetta 2 in terms of, like, uh, uh, public interest there. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, and then followed behind that was either a cross between Total War Rome 2 and Hatsune Miku. 
Oh um, my god, I can't believe Hatsune Miku actually has a big following. I, I wonder how the game did. That's what I want to know. That's yeah, the I, most I'm, important thing. <laughs> I'm yeah. really curious about that. Um, I didn't play Miku at the show because I actually bought the retail version of the game. Oh, uh, so you've been having some fun with Miku. Oh, I've been rubbing the shit out of her face. <laughs> <laughs> no idea. Yeah, you can... If you haven't... I'll probably start with that. Like, if you haven't watched, like, uh, the video retro live stream, uh, you know, I... I've been spending some time with Miku having fun <laughs> having some fun with her <laughs> yeah like I will say this much like the music rhythm game aspect of it seems like it's fun and I there's a, definitely some uh songs in there that I find that are really catchy uh but it's mostly just j-pop stuff which doesn't really resonate well with me but like some of the quirkier songs like uh the there's like I, I forget the entire name of it but it's like this polka song it's like the uh training song that that comes with uh with the training mode uh which is very catchy in its own right and like some of the starter songs like cat food's kind of kind of interesting to listen to uh but outside of that like the rest of the game is like this weird pseudo dating sim thing where you have to buy the characters uh like these little items and gifts and then when you give it to them they give you like this weird animate the little this little animation like you give miku a tambourine and then one of the other vocaloid characters will come in and they'll just start playing around with the tambourine or you buy uh miku a glass of orange juice and you watch miku awkwardly drink that thing because they didn't really program any liquid physics into it so it looks like she's just (laughs) shoving a big chunk of ice in her face (laughs) And it doesn't move, but she's very satisfied no matter what. <laughs> it sounds like a chow garden. Yeah, it's basically that. Like one of the things, it's it boosts their affinity rating with you. Of course. And uh, one other way to boost that rating is to communicate with them, and that would be to rub them in the face. Well, who doesn't? Like that's their communication mode. You just hit the cro- the cross button, you hold it, and then you rotate the analog stick at whatever speed you want. Don't ask any questions. Uh-huh. <laughs> then, uh, if you rub her face for too short, they get disappoint. She gets disappointed. If you rub it too long, she gets mad at you, and then breaks communication with you. It's really strange. You have to rub her face for a certain period of time to boost that rating, and then you eventually level up. And then I don't know what happens at that point. Maybe she just does different things. I can attest that does work with real women too. You. Yeah. Rub them, their face, the correct way, and it works. Oh, man. I'm pretty you sure that's how no babies idea. are made. Yeah. That's how I was born. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Like, I really hope... I really just don't understand, like... I'm, well, I don't know. That's part of the reason why... St- probably why a lot of these games don't really come out is because of just the strange stuff like that that happens in there. Like... Mm-hmm. It's not exactly going to happen like, oh, Sega should totally remove it and it'll be like game of the year. Like, that's not really going to be the case. Like, it's still going to be associated with like all this other creepy thing. It's basically catering to like a very specific audience that uh, I would never converse with in a daily uh, in a daily routine. I'll say that much. (laughs) But it's nice that they did it. Um, I'm still waiting for Miku to appear in All Stars Races and Transformed. Like, if that becomes DLC, I'd definitely buy that because I think it'd be funny. I could swear that was supposed to happen. It was supposed to happen, but I guess something kind of fell through again in terms of a DLC for the Sonic Racing games, and uh, they just kind of took it. 
I guess Sega took it instead of uh, adding new characters to Transformed. Instead, they just decided that was just a like a good enough point to tell Sega Japan, hey, we really need to bring this game out here in yeah. uh, in America and Europe. Right. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that's nice that they did it. I mean, people who are going to complain like, oh, why didn't they translate, bring over anything else? Uh, well, they just got to go with uh, where supply, where the demand is and where the money is. So mm-hmm. uh, if you don't pay them the money, they ain't going to give you shit. So, I, I feel like Miku's release was them just dipping their toes in the water and testing yeah. it out. I think they've done that before with Yakuza. And yes. I think the sales of the previous game kind of showed them. I mean, we'll see if 5 ever comes out. But I think the sales of the previous game, which unfortunately was the spinoff, well, well, for what Aki says, it said, he said it's like five times longer than Yakuza 4. I'm sure they don't want to be translating five times the content text. That's true, which brings us back sell. to Atlas. Yeah, well, I don't know if Atlas would be able to bring up, uh, do anything for, of games of that, you know, grandest scale. Like, I would, I don't think if you were to get Atlas to translate Shenmue for Dreamcast... I think that would be way too expensive for them to do. Like they kind of go for some of the lower budget kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So, so Bartman, it's probably, it's kind of well, we're, we're, now we're talking about Shimmy. I was going to try to get back on PAX, but I was going to ask any interesting games you played outside of Sega. Uh, outside of Sega, well, I didn't really get much of a chance to play a lot of the games I wanted to check out. Uh, I got to meet Christine Love, who is a uh, a developer for a digital love story analog a hate story and hate plus like those pseudo um they're not i, pl- I played i played a digital love story yeah uh, yeah i have it on the computer actually installed uh it's kind of like you pl- it's kind of i guess at the game the point of the game is to show you kind of like i don't know i guess falling in i guess in love in like an old computer because it's kind yeah, of a simulator kinda. And it's uh, that's like, probably what the case is for digital. I mean, I haven't really played that one. Oh, oh but you have to dial in, like, and then connect to a, a BBS, I guess, network. I don't even know what that is. And then you get messages, <laughs> and then you answer the emails. It's basically the whole game. That's kind of funny. I mean, that's that's part of why I kind of like them, because, like, with Analog, it's a text parser uh, kind of game where you, it's... Not an adventure game in any any sense. You were literally just kind of reading through like these old uh, old email logs of like this family that has passed on, and you're just trying to unravel this mystery of like what exactly happened with them and all this other stuff. Um, and Christine Love is like pretty savvy in terms of like the kind of you know the kind of audience that would be playing something like a digital uh, dating sim type of game. In fact, there's an achievement in Hate Plus where the game literally tells you to how to teaches you how to bake a cake in a little cupcake pan, <laughs> and you were supposed to send an email to the developer uh, with a real life photo of the cupcake and the game running of the character eating the the cake with you, and like you can add like your own candlelight or your own discarded bag of Taco Bell sitting in the corner in like <laughs> this dank damp room or whatever. It's kind of funny. But yeah, I got to meet her. That was awesome. Um, let's see. Yeah, I, I, I got to play Super Mario 3D World. Like, that's probably the only other game that I actually played there. And the rest of it was just kind of me kind of running around trying to figure out what the hell to do on the last day. Uh, Mario 3D World is obviously Super Mario 3D Land, but with four people playing at the same time. Uh, 
and I was kind of surprised the fact by the fact that the people that I was playing with didn't know how to play a Mario game. I was I, I don't know how to feel about that in uh, this kind of day and age, but that's just how it is, I suppose. But uh, I played as Princess Peach because I find it fascinating that they chose to let you play as her for once. Uh, but yeah, like she, I didn't really get that much of a chance to play, figure out how exactly she reacts. All I, all I, because most of the time I was running around in the cat suit, uh, which is fairly easy to kind of run around in, because it allows you to climb on walls and scale things. And uh, you have to make sure that, you know, you don't have the other characters slide off screen or else they'll either turn turn into bubbles or they're going to get killed because they don't know where they are. Uh, and I kind of definitely noticed that problem when it came to the boss level where you would jump on this platform. And if one person climbs into that platform, then the entire camera moves and it moves to a point where the other players can't see where they are if they didn't jump with you. Hmm. Either yeah. some of them died, or some of them actually got caught in the bubble, a la New Super Mario Brothers, and you have to go pop them to let them out. Um, there was all, I think uh, I don't think I ever played on the tablet, but there's not really much point using the tablet unless you want to like highlight objects in the playfield, like uh, hidden blocks or things like that. Like that's okay. Like I didn't really expect that much uh, functionality out of that thing when uh, you know when I first heard of the game. Uh, I didn't, I really don't recall getting a chance to play much of anything else. I'm trying to remember what, what else happened. I mean, most of it was kind of dealing with, uh, the Sega booth. Um, like I did get to play Castle of Illusion there, but for some reason they were using the alpha demo. Uh, and the game pretty much came out like a few days afterwards. So I felt like there was no need to write about it. Uh, I did get to play Sonic Lost World, uh, but I don't know. I didn't really talk about that much either because it was the same demo. I was oh. that was at like Gamescom and before that. So you've played so, it before. Well, I I haven't played it before, but everybody else at Retro who's written about it can pretty much give you the same idea, you know, the same things that I've experienced there. So mm-hmm. I don't really have a whole lot to talk about that. I tried playing Total War Rome too, but I suck at art uh, strategy RPGs, and I tried to get one of the guys to help me play this help. game. Play the game. <laughs> Yeah, it didn't really work out, so I was like, what maybe tell somebody you? else that's going to do it. What did he tell you? He's like, I don't know. I don't know how to play it either. I'm just standing here. I don't know. I was like, well, I can at least spectacularly lose this battle, just like in real, uh, like it happened in real time. <laughs> um, but yeah, like, and of course, the other, the only other game that I definitely played was uh, Hiroki. Like, I got to talk with the developers there, and... Uh, you may people listening to this may have already read my uh, preview for Hiroki, and uh, I definitely have some positive feelings about that game. Uh, nice. But it's kind of it's still it was obvious that it was still early on in development. Like there were certain elements that definitely seemed like that it wasn't finished, only because of like they just didn't get around to finishing it. Like they're basically like four guys in the Netherlands who are literally just uh, a garage developer. Like they don't really have like they kind of work on Hiroki in their spare time of their day job so you know it's definitely it's definitely indie in the strongest term of like what an indie developer is especially and, if uh, and why the games is not and why are they uh, and why are they with Sega like what's their relationship uh, well th- apparently one of the guy one of the guys uh, part of Sega Alliance 
look watch the trailer that uh, Pikmi Games, which is the developer of the game, uh, they put out last year, and they got so interested in the project that they uh, decided to enter a publishing deal uh, under the Sega Alliance umbrella. Mm-hmm. And so that's when they started showing off Hiroki at uh, Penny Arcade Expo. Like, they didn't get a demo in time for uh, for Gamescom, because, you know, we figured they live in the same area. Why didn't they do that? And that's why. Uh, the only weird thing I thought was uh, they didn't have a booth dedicated to Hiroki. It was literally just two of the developers walking around. Like, they would catch people who were just standing in line for, like, Miku or Sonic and like say hey you want to try out this demo and you know that's how they got people to check the game out like they just had one unit uh one ipad running the game uh and you can definitely play that game standing up like it you can play it however way you you wish uh since the game allows you to do multi-touch like you can have four fingers creating wind sources which is how you move the character uh if you if you want to play that way, but you can just play with like two thumbs and it definitely looks like it would work better on a phone because then you have left and right thumbs, uh, controlling, uh, your, your player character, uh, as you know, they fly around, like you can tap objects to latch onto them to grab. Like if it's a treasure chest, you can, uh, drag up to, uh, open up the chest or you can pull back. Like if you grab a rock, you can pull back from the character and that allows, character to charge up their throw uh which works for like the crates and some of the crates have have like items that would pick you can use uh for health like it'll uh open up uh break open with a health item inside or other uh, gimmicks that can help you like slow down time and uh and uh other things it's definitely charming like it looks really good on the ipad uh it has like a lot of interesting bloom effects and uh it runs at 60 frames a second and it looks it looks great, like you know people who are like people who are you know complaining about like mobile games and how they don't really have the quality that you would get out of a console game. Mm-hmm. I definitely got that feeling when I was playing through Hiroki. Like it definitely seems like it's got that kind of style to it. And That's they said great. specifically they were inspired by uh, you know family friendly games like you know Sonic or Mario. Like that's pretty much. Uh, the kind of vibe that they're going for in terms of like uh, the tone and setting that they're going for. I've noticed. And I kind of want. Uh-huh. I was gonna say I've noticed a lot of indie games are very uh, always trying to like capture, I guess more retro games. I guess Fez is another one you could think of. It's like bright, mm-hmm. beautiful, about the art. I guess. Picks and love rush yeah. with the cat. <laughs> this game. Oh looks- yeah. This game looks uh, kind of, well for the screenshot shots I've seen, and I think I've seen a trailer. It looks very bright, very colorful, very uh, I guess not Call of Duty ish. Oh, of course not. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, it's definitely got a cheery tone to it, which I really appreciate. But I just kind of fear that it's not going to quite get the publicity it's going to deserve. Uh, like if you recall with Sega Alliance for uh, Jack Lumber. Mm-hmm. One of the ways that they did, they promoted the game was at a lumberjack competition. They were showing off the game there, uh, which <laughs> to me seems kind of weird because, you know, usually at a lumberjack competition, you probably wouldn't find a lot of people who play video games. Right. Like, even casually would even go there. But I don't know. I mean, that's probably like the other thing. You know, Jack Lumber is a very casual focus game, uh, whereas Hiroki is definitely something that's based around like uh 
what you would play for a video on a video game console. Uh, like one of the things that uh, like I tried to talking with them, like you know what they were inspired by, and uh, when they were making the game, and they they said that they were ba- they were inspired by this carnival game where like you would uh, shoot, you know you shoot water into like this clown's mouth, and it would like uh, or like or something like that, and it would cause like this ball to float. Maybe it wouldn't be a clown's mouth, but it'll like be in like this target, and it would cause this ball to like float up from the ground. Right. Yeah, I've seen and that. Just, and they just kind of picked like they couldn't think of like an English term for that. I don't think there is one. <laughs> yeah, I don't think there really is, but like that's part of where their inspiration for that came from. Interesting. Uh, but yeah, um, I mean, I don't really have that much else to talk about it. Uh, at the same time, uh. I mean, like that's pretty much like what my. Uh, well, okay. There's like maybe one other thing I can talk I can talk about, but it's not directly PAX related. Uh, uh-huh. But I had a lot of fun going to PAX, and I, it was the first year that I got a lot of the a lot of my friends who live up there, uh, specifically like uh, people from Retro, like Tonic BH was there. Uh, like it was so awesome to have like a whole group of people just come together. Uh, just to kind of give an example, like I got to hang out with like Instant Sonic and Skyler and uh, Instant's fiance and Specs Fox, and you know we all kind of got to run around packs for a little while. Oh yeah, I did buy I did buy some weird stuff there. Like I pick, I bought the uh, inflatable Mega Man Buster, and I bought the Okami soundtrack for like fifty bucks. <laughs> that game, that thing is like five CDs long, and it's. I figured it would be a decent compliment to my uh, to the Okami art book that I bought uh, last year. Oh, there you go. Yeah, and it has like in the in the art book it says, you know, play this track of this CD for uh, maximum enjoyment, and et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> and the Mega Buster is really hard to get in your hand if you blow it up too much. Like you have to put your hand in there, blow it all the way up, and then if you want to let if you want to remove it, you have to deflate the uh, the Mega Buster. But it looks goofy and fun in its own right nice and if you're looking for something for your other arm i found a uh, ready to rumble round two boxing glove inflatable uh, boxing glove on ebay 30 yeah. bucks so there you 30 go. bucks only that's not bad actually <laughs> i have to, to be honest now. for a dreamcast uh, piece of merch that's not too bad yeah but uh that's that's really cool i saw those mega man busters did you see the giant statue didn't they have a statue there uh they didn't have the giant statue but they did have the smaller one Okay. And uh, apparently it was supposed to be like a PAX exclusive that they were selling there, but that line that line was just way too long to be able to get a hold of one of those things. That and uh, I tried to see if I could get a wonderful 101 because oh, they were right. selling that like two weeks earlier at Nintendo's little store, but they only they only had like 101 copies each for each day of the oh, four okay. days there, which is kind of dumb, but whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Um, but can yeah, I I, I, a, I wish I got to get it. Oh, I was gonna say, can I make a joke about 101 or uh, 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 Wonderful shoot. 101? Oh, that's uh, the, the only time they ever sold out of the game at PAX, <laughs> right? No, um, they sold out of the game all four days. Like that line was like literally like an hour long if you wanted to wait in there. But that's great. How because uh, of that, uh, it's so weird. Have you that's played funny the game? Because. No, I never got a chance to play the game. Although the lines didn't seem too long, and it's funny because it was nowhere near as long as Bayonetta 2's line, which is kind of funny. I mean, again, none of the lines at uh, Nintendo's booth were long except for Bayonetta 2, and I have no idea why that was. 
I find like, it kind of I, I find it interesting that Sega doesn't have money to publish their own version of Bayonetta two, but they have money to buy Atlas, <laughs> right? Well, they have their own money to make a movie based on Bayonetta. Apparently, yeah. <laughs> there has to be at least some... that's region free. Yeah, but uh, hopefully, uh, I don't know. I wonder how that deal works. Is Bayonetta now a Nintendo only franchise? Cause no, he... I don't think it is. I think it's just they're just helping them publish because, like, it's part of Nintendo's initiative to pub- help Japanese developers publish games overseas. Like, I think it's just part of that initiative. Like, and... it's working. They're working with Sega and Platinum for Bayonetta and Wonderful 101, and they're working with Atlas for Shin Megami Tensei 4. Like, Nintendo's publishing SMT4. Mm-hmm. But Nintendo That's... owns Wonderful 101, whereas yes. Sega owns Bayonetta. Yes. Yes. And there's Bayonetta, there's a Bayonetta cameo in Wonderful 101, uh, although I don't know what exactly you have to do to get that. Yeah, and uh, I believe her her friends uh, Jean and uh, what is it, Rodan or Rodan? I think it's Rodan. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. I wonder yeah. if there will ever be a port of Bayonetta 2. It doesn't seem likely now that Nintendo published it. I don't think so. Probably not. Uh, I think I think Nintendo may have a fair stake in Bayonetta 2 so much so that that money went towards development so we're probably not going to be seeing that on other consoles and you know since I own a Wii U I don't give a fuck so <laughs> I have to get mine the the $300 one releases tomorrow oh that's right does Wind Waker come out tomorrow I don't remember I think so yeah the Wind Waker console bundle is released oh. tomorrow so get on that but this are you going uh, to buy it who me? Yeah, I have uh, money set aside, so yeah, eventually before Sonic Lost World. So okay. within I thought a you month. Were gonna, I thought you were gonna buy it to like literally the first day you're gonna be in a line, and they're <laughs> no, all. Are, I, are, are you here for Grand Theft Auto Five? No, man, I'm here for the Wii U. Oh God, no, I don't <laughs> dare do that. But um, no, I, I uh, until Sonic Lost World comes out, I really don't have a reason to own a Wii U day one. But um, speaking of games. We have oh. a few. We have a new what? game. Do you guys want to talk about that? Actually, What's... one more thing. I just wanted to say it was oh, like the it. only. Well, the only other thing that I did at uh, PAX was uh, I talked with uh, the guys behind Extra Credits, and uh, funny enough, like one of the main admins behind Extra Credits, uh, Icono, was uh, a big Sonic fan when she was like, uh, fairly, you know, when she was younger, uh, and when she was like getting into like uh, game development, independent game development, like she made her own like Sonic demos and things like that. And uh, I have a major crush on uh, one of their artists, Lily. Like she's super hot. But that's <laughs> I, I that's pretty much the only other thing I wanted to share. That you, but yeah, like Pax was definitely fun. I just wish it didn't fall apart as worse as much as it did. Oh, actually, there was like one smaller the thing that I wanted to talk about that was not quite Pax related. Uh-huh. Uh huh. It was mostly just that uh, I got to play the Ouya versions of uh, the Sonic Android ports that uh, that came out. So I got to play a little bit of Sonic One, Sonic Four, Episode One, Episode Two, and Sonic CD. And uh, are they the same quality as the Android versions, or were they frame rate um, issues? Oh, they are the same quality as those Android ports. Let me tell you. So <laughs> it's literally just the Sonic Four Episode One phone Android phone port, uh, to the point of like you get the uh, the minecart levels and the screen oh, rotates oh, with no. you when you go through the loops. Oh. It's and it's funny because it's this 
it's 40 megabytes, uh, which means it has the l- low quality textures and uh, low polygon models and all the, these other cutbacks. Whereas episode two is the Tegra HD version of uh, episode two. Uh, so it looks better. Like it has like the full on animation and bloom effects and everything running at like a sub 30 frames per second. And uh, Sonic CD, which is ironically the best port of the three, because they actually bothered to position the lives icon in the bottom left corner correctly. Whereas in the other two, it's literally just kind of juxtaposed in the top right for phone reasons. But, you know, it's uh, basically as lazy as you can get with uh, your phone ports. And you can log into your Sega ID, but you can only use, like, the Ouya's touchpad, which more or less acts like the mouse to uh, or the touchscreen to uh, navigate those menus, which is awkward, <laughs> super awkward. It's uh, they're not good. Well, it's all right. So, None yeah, of I, us have a, a Ouya, whatever they're called. So. Ouya. Yeah, I, I will say after playing with it a little bit, I kind of like it, but it definitely needs more support. But yeah, that's my PAX adventure. Uh, I definitely miss my friends up in Washington and I, I got to give kudos to tonic VH for letting me stay at his place at when I was a uh, sick as a dog on Saturday. I <laughs> did he, did he cook you? Uh, did, did he take care of you? Yeah, he took care of me. Good. <laughs> <laughs> nice. But, yeah, I actually kind of wanted to see if we could get, the, get those guys in for a PAX podcast, but you know, they're, we've all got different schedules. It's not easy to get a hold of everybody right now. Well, thanks so much for sharing your, uh, your experiences at the show as as crazy as they were yeah and i definitely got to give thanks to sega for you know let me do uh interviews and uh get to play the games early because that means i got to cut in line in front of everybody else that was so good nice and uh, to do that actually one last anecdote was uh i tried to see if i could buy the sega team dominoes you know because you know miku loves dominoes oh of course yeah, unfortunately, I couldn't really figure out where there was a close by, uh, a nearby Domino's in the area uh-huh. uh, until, like, the day that I had to leave for my flight. Uh, so uh, you may have seen it on Retro. Skyler put up that video where he gave Aaron that uh, that box with uh, the drawing nice. of Aaron nice. <laughs> with the Miku wig in there. Uh, I, like I kind of feel like that was a better idea, but I actually wanted to feed those guys. He just drew him a friggin' picture for, like, nothing. <laughs> Nice. And he used well, an actual Domino's box. But yeah. It's always good to give empty pizza boxes to Aaron Weber. Yeah. yeah, but I want to give him a full one. Come on. God, that's not... Ah, whatever. Oh, there's All always right. there's always uh, the sequel that's going to get released, right? Oh, that's true. That's true. <laughs> uh, speaking of new games, we uh, have only one, I believe, to talk about. Uh, Fantasy Star Nova was re- announced at the Tokyo Game Show. It is a game for the Vita, developed by, correct me if I'm wrong, Tri-Ace. Yeah, yeah. Um, the Renaissance of Fate developers. So, uh, what do you guys think about this? Is it uh, a game that you would want to play? Um, well, I, I never Vita... really got into the Fantasy Star series, so I can't really comment too much on it. But I would assu- I would I would assume that would be a bigger game than what Fantasy Star Zero was on uh, the DS or Fantasy Star Universe. Like it wouldn't have. Oh, yeah, I assume. Yeah. I would assume that it's not going to have like the trappings of its MMO brethren, you know, Fantasy Star Online and whatnot. Right. But, but yeah, like I, you know, I, I'm surprised that they're finally coming out with 
a single sort of a I assume it's a single player experience of um, Fantasy Star. It's uh, it's going to be one of the first to have a full single player experience, but it's also going to have an online component with four player co op. But they said oh, okay. that, it, that they said it's going to be more of a I guess Diablo like the first Fantasy Star Online. In oh, post, okay. uh, well, I'm assuming the same thing as Fantasy Star Online too, but. <clears throat> It's because apparently oh, they sold mm-hmm. over 100,000 units of Fantasy Star Online 2 on the Vita, the box versions, because they have a box version of it, and even though it's a free download. So they're trying to, like, exploit that, that market right now. Mm-hmm. So now what do you think of the, uh, the design or the art style of it? Do you think it fits with uh, Fantasy Star, or does it look more like a Tri-Ace game? It looks more like a Tri-Ace game, honestly, because it's, like, more brown... Uh, and uh, more gloomy. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't, I don't want to be negative on the game, but it kind of gives me that um, uh, shining. You know, the shine. How there was the Shining Force games, and then we had the Shining Hearts, and all those other games come in after the fact. And there was a really big disconnect just between the, how the games looked and how the games played. And I don't know, Nova. It looks, it looks like a decent game, but I, I just hope it's not one of those games where when you're playing it, you feel like you're playing some sort of like quasi fantasy star if that makes sense yeah i I, I think it's just the art department at uh trice or whatever like they only have like brown uh Uh tints on their on their (laughs) on their computer they're like what wait wait we can't get that what's that thing that other color no we don't we we can't do that we only have brown shades on this (laughs) but uh that's what it looks like and that's just their art style and i personally don't like their art style but there's fans of they have a lot they have a uh I guess small fan base online. Uh huh. But uh, what do you think, Barman? Have you ever played any of their games? Yeah, unfortunately, I've never really played anything regarding uh, Tri Ace, except for maybe. Uh, yeah, I'm not really that familiar with them, unfortunately. I know they made Resonance of Fate with Sega, but uh, outside of that, I haven't really had that much exposure to uh, any of their games. Barry, have you played any of the games? I'm assuming no. We're we're in a we're we have a bad group today. No, um, I've it's Resonance of Fate, correct? Yeah, Resonance Uh, Resonance of Fate. Fate. I always say Renaissance. Um, I've played. I'm pretty sure I've played either a demo or I've. I remember playing it, but I don't own it. Um, it's. I don't know. I don't really know what to think. I don't have a strong opinion of the developer. I know they're. I mean, they're 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 a good developer. Their biggest but, franchise is Star Ocean. Maybe you play that. Mm-hmm. But, oh uh, yeah, okay. I know that game. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm mixed on it. I mean, I'm not a big fan of the the console it's on, and I'm not a huge. I don't really know too much about the the company. I I, I definitely get what you're saying though with just the visuals. That I've never really drawn to those games where it's a lot of blacks and grays and browns. Um, and for me, the Fantasy Star games have always been really colorful, despite being like a realistic setting. Not realistic, but you know, human characters and things like that. Um, but what do you guys think about uh, Sega of America's recent comment that at the moment they have no plans to release it west? They're probably trying to wait until they can finally get Fantasy Star Online 2 out the door. That um, makes sense. I mean, on obviously, you know, because that game was recently reported to have been delayed Mm -hmm. you know i mean you know that's unfortunate in its own right but you know they're you know sega you know considering the position that they're in right now like they're probably not ready to support a worldwide uh type of mmo 
uh, especially you know with the Western market being dominated by you know stuff like World of Warcraft and uh, Guild Wars and all the and you know other similar things. It's probably going to be really hard for them to make a uh, a hedgeway into something that's uh, already dense with uh, other more successful MMOs right now. Mm-hmm. But uh, until they can get Fantasy Star Online out there to measure that exposure of Fantasy Star itself, by then they would probably uh, determine whether or not it would be appropriate for them to put out the uh, this Fantasy Star Nova game. And also, you know, they don't want to kind of let one thing step on the other. I think, uh, yeah, I think Barman's right. I mean, the idea of fantasy, the, the, the reason Nova is even being created is because of su- the success of uh, Fantasy Star Online 2 in uh, Japan. Supposedly, mm-hmm. according to the little Sony conference when they had the little uh, stream, they said over they have over 600,000 people playing uh, Fantasy Star Online 2 on their Vita only. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there's that's pretty a pretty impressive. So that's an audience, and uh, I don't know if they could. I don't know if they could replicate it. I think on the Vita, it would be really popular in the United States because the Vita owners kind of are starving for new games, and uh, an online game that's free, that's a that's kind of like you don't you don't really have to do anything. You just download it, play it, and it's free. And it's not like they have new games coming out on Vita anyway over here. Mm-hmm. So I think there. Yeah. I think Sega really needs to first. Release Fantasy Star Online 2, kind of like, you know, get the brand going, get people talking about it. Then they could release a paid-to-play version, I guess. Not paid-to-play, I know it's but, probably, but I know paid. it's probably a pipe dream right now. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead and finish your point. Oh, no, I was just going to say, uh, you know, a uh, box title. Uh, go on. I'm right. Done. No, I, th- I think, like, 2013 is probably when we're going to see the English version of Fantasy Star Online 2, because... Sega is very much interested in bringing that game out to other territories, but uh, right now they're probably feeling like the the Asian market is probably where they should be uh, concentrating right now. And they said so specifically in their recent financial report. Uh, so once they do that, then they can finally start, you know, making sure that they can keep uh, keep up with uh, PSO2 in America, in Europe, and all those stuff. I mean, they showed off PSO2 in at PAX 2012 la- uh, last year, and I avoided playing it because I thought that we were going to be playing, you know, the the official release like soon after that. Ooh. Boy, how wrong I was about that! <laughs> but I got these PSO2 mouse pads. I've seen those; those are cool. Yeah, I've only got like one spare one. I don't know what to do with it. I want it. Uh, well, we'll see. <laughs> you heard it here then. Uh, so, oh. I guess uh, the the with Fancy Star right now, the big thing is wait and see for just about anything they're developing. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't seem like that they just want to cancel it outright because they know that there is a very strong demand for PSO2, and then if that is successful, then they will probably see about Fancy Star Nova. Mm-hmm. Like you know, anything can happen at this point, uh, especially with Sega. Uh, Barry's been one of the bigger uh, naysayers on the on the Vita. Would uh, would Nova make you buy a Vita, Barry? I don't think it would. No, I don't think think many people would either. (laughs) Would a would a PlayStation Vita get you to buy a Vita? Uh, Yes, PlayStation Vita TV. Um, no. If if Fantasy Star Online Nova or two were compatible with it and in America, maybe. But I'm not a big fan of how they're saying. 
it can't play any of the Vita games that use touch or tilt because at that point I'd rather just get a Vita. Yeah, I mean, like you can't play Super Monkey Ball Banana Banana Splits because <laughs> all the, the games are touch driven. What's the but point? But you can use the left stick to just play the main game. There's always that. Uh. <laughs> but yeah, I don't uh, know. I, I, Gravity Rush Vita. wouldn't work, right? Yeah. Um. Yeah, you can't play Gravity Rush whatsoever. Uh, despite the fact that uh the PS3 controller, which is what it's supposed to connect to, has six axis tilt. Uh, but you use the touchscreen to like do dot, uh, execute dodges and things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're probably gonna find ways to get it to work on the Vita TV if uh for Gravity Rush Two that is, uh, since they up and decided to put out this uh TV player. And stuff like that that makes me wish that we'd get like a 3DS TV add-on for the Wii U or something like that. Like, like, like the, with that, like the Super Game Boy they used to have. Exactly. Like I don't know. I mean, obviously it's gonna they're gonna have to figure out what they can do regarding the dual screens uh, for certain games. But uh, on the Wii you know, U pad. Yeah, but like for like Yoshi's Island, you have you know both the top and bottom screen that have to be viewed at once, which oh. is not exactly thing and like sonic rush where you switch you know like if you have like the the big screen your tv screen as the top screen and the touchpad with the tablet suddenly sonic rush becomes like this confusing thing of like wait where'd sonic go oh the 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 the, he's on the tablet of course i forgot (laughs) yeah that's true i guess it'll be some games that won't work Mm -hmm. but uh Uh, it's the, the other game I wanted to talk about, if you guys want to move on to it, is uh, this new one called Sonic Lost World. I don't know if you've heard of it. Uh, no. no, a uh, It's on that gay system. I don't like yeah. it. <laughs> a uh, four-minute trailer for Tokyo Game Show was released, which um, I don't know if you guys have watched it, but it reveals... I thought it revealed quite a bit. There's a new beach level it shows off. It shows that uh, Super Sonic's available, as he was in Sonic Colors. There are some pretty cool cinematics that I was seeing with um, the tornado chasing Eggman and this weird one where it's like, it looks like it's out of like one of the earlier Sonic games where it's all super serious and there's Amy Rose like standing in a field that's dying or something like that. Some weird stuff. But Uh, um, overall it looks, it shows off a lot of the game. Isn't that, isn't that kind of like a, I don't know. I think this is something Sega's been doing for like, I don't know how long they've been doing it. It seems like for every freaking game, they like mm-hmm. you. You see everything of a Sonic game, and then then it comes out. So mm-hmm. it's, sometimes you feel like there is no surprises when you get the game. I think they're doing a better job with this one than the past ones because I feel like because I, I never avoid spoilers. So when it came to Generations, I feel like I've seen before the game came out. I've seen every level officially demoed by Sega, aside from maybe like a handful of maybe like two of them in the last boss. But with this one, I feel like I've only seen four full levels maybe, and then just bits and pieces from trailers of other ones. It's kind of funny, you know, when you work in, you know, in the, in a a certain venue of press, you kind of subject yourself to a lot of things that could potentially ruin a game, a game experience for you. And, uh, you know, you know, like you said, it seems like they're doing a better job trying to keep a lot of the things, a lot of the gameplay elements under wraps compared to something like Sonic Generations. Although I assume with Sonic Generations, it's technically a lot of the stuff you've seen before just mm-hmm. now in a prettier rendering engine and things like that. So, yeah. you know, they, they had stuff like that to, to kind of excuse it. 
I am uh, glad that up to this point they haven't shown any of the Sonic and Eggman cutscenes because apparently they start working together really early on in the story. So right by I think the second zone in the desert stage is when they start working together. So yeah, uh, but yeah, right, right there I'm able to work that stuff out. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, but no, I'd, I'd say they're doing a pretty good job. If anything, I'm saying I'm thinking they need to show off some of the features more because we're only a month away from release, and I'm just now seeing in a Tokyo Game Show trailer that there's four player on the 3DS. Like and four player. I, I still versus... don't really understand how the Miiverse functionality works. Me neither. Uh, I mean, they're actually showing that stuff off in the Japanese trailers and and you know other promotional material for that, but not in America. Mm-hmm. It's kind of funny, like how different, you know, Sega promotes their material to different, uh, different, you know, countries. Like Japan has a completely different way of like telling you about the game, and whereas in like America, they're just like, oh, it's Sonic. Can he save it from the Deadly Six and mm-hmm. new moves? Da, 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 <laughs> With that music, <laughs> yeah. And, like, the same intro that we've seen on, like, six of those American trailers. They need to stop using that same that, that <laughs> song. There's beautiful music in the Sonic games, and they don't even use them in the advertisements themselves. Yeah, it's kind of a shame. I but... actually like that theme. I think they should put on every game Sega puts out. <laughs> I think that's Sonic's theme song now, right? <laughs> well, for Sonic 4 Episode 2, it was, like, a weird remix of Sega All-Stars Racing. Yeah. Even though it had nothing to do with the game. Yeah. And they probably just some DJ probably just snatched that sound clip from somewhere and just started using it in their, for his music. Bartman, you know there's some guy that makes the trailer sitting right now on his desk, just cr- crying. Sighing. He's crying. He's like, <laughs> they don't like all the effort I put into it. Well, I mean, I, I, I get, I have some respect for them, especially when it comes to like cases like Sonic Four, where they literally have no gameplay footage to work with. And it just says they they're just told make a trailer for for a game. It's like okay, yeah, that's like, true. It's, it's got to be the big reveal. And then they yeah. and then and then people start complaining about how slow he runs in the in the teaser. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I I think that's probably like the one thing that kind of bothers me about Lost World is that there is a dedicated run button which mm-hmm. is ZL on the tablet, and ZR is your spin dash button, and like. I kind of feel like it's, I guess I could probably chalk this up with my PAX talk, but like, I feel like they had the game kind of controls a little too complicated for a Sonic game, in my opinion. You know, considering like the older games worked with like one button for the Genesis and for like Sonic Event, the Dreamcast games, you worked with like two buttons. Mm-hmm. And like, you'd probably run into a case like Sonic Heroes where you don't really quite grab if you if you're just going into sonic heroes cold you're not really going to get an idea of like what context works in which even though they try their damnedest to give you as many hints as possible of like <laughs> oh use knuckles to leave this one up to tails <laughs> shit rock hold the r button to run yeah. sonic why what's an r button we're just we're out here and and you know considering that we have analog sticks and we need a s- separate button for running I've always Although, enjoyed when the characters in game refer to the controls. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Just like, hit A. What Sonic, what do you mean hit A? Jump. Okay, just say jump then. I don't What's hit A? 
it's kind but, of. But uh, anyway, but yeah, um, I, I will. I will also say for the pork parkour stuff, you hold ZL and it I mean, it activates the parkour movements, like you can run on walls and things like that. So. It's kind of like the Assassin's Creed thing where you hold one button to run, but that's alternating between low profile and high profile. Mm-hmm. So, like, if you hold the button down, it allows your character to, like, jump across ledges, or if you're not holding it, you just fall down. Yeah, I, it took me a while to get used to that when I first played those games. Yeah. I don't know so, why, but... I don't know. So, I assume, like, if you just give enough time to Sonic Lost World, you're definitely going to have some fun with it, but we're probably going to get a lot of reviewers going and saying, oh, it's a Sonic game, it's just stupidly complicated for no reason, mm-hmm. and they just go play Call of Duty or what the fuck ever. God. Oh, yeah, the but, new one's uh, coming out, and it looks amazing, right? <laughs> Shut anyway. up. Uh, <laughs> it looks like Call of Duty. It's an FPS. Let's yeah. See, uh, um, so, where's the part where I say I didn't watch the TGS trailer, but I watched the... Uh, which trailer it was it that's uh oh wait maybe it was a tgs trailer that uh oh it was a tgs trailer i'm a fool i didn't watch it (laughs) it's about four minutes long lots of weird cuts but i will say um i if i could turn it into a positive i i kind of like being confused about things and speculating about certain features because i i would like to get into the game and go oh so that's how meverse works instead of working out how everything's going to go down before I even get into the game. Um, I, I can definitely agree with that. Um, it's good although, to, It's good that they describe certain functions so that they can actually sell the game, but to be honest, I don't think explaining to consumers how the Miiverse thing's going to work exactly is that important. I don't and, know if people are buying games for Miiverse features. Um, some cases they are, and in a lot of cases it's in the negative sense of Miiverse, like uh, for like My Farm or whatever it's called. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, Miiverse is definitely like a pretty good selling point because you know you get a lot of people who share. You can share screenshots with each other, and you can you can see a lot of immediate fan art come out of uh, right. come out of Miiverse, which and in a lot of th- in a lot of cases, like a lot of artwork you see on Miiverse is actually pretty good compared to uh, you know stuff you would see for like Super Metroid, where people just literally get stuck. But you know, outside of that, like it's pretty. Uh, Miiverse is definitely like a pretty good point for Wii U. In fact, it's if you get into it, you can definitely get quite a bit of enjoyment out of it. Hmm. Uh, it's just too bad that people don't really think about Miiverse when they think about Wii U. They just think about how it's just going to look so underpowered compared to the other systems. But whatever, that's that's a different topic. <laughs> uh, but yeah. Like I think, I think the only thing that's really kind of bumming me out is like the two-player mode in the Wii U version. Like it's, I mean, there's a two-player versus mode where it's just one person on the gamepad and the other is on like, uh, playing on the TV screen, which I think that's kind of weird. Like and you're I don't both know why multicolored Sonics. Yeah, I don't understand why it can't be like a split-screen type of view. Like that's literally all you're doing on, uh, on the system at that point. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially considering the ma- the handheld version has four player multiplayer in uh, in comparison. Right, right. Well, That's in a month we'll be having our uh, our impressions topic of the game, so it's coming up pretty soon. It is. Uh, so we'll we'll look let back on this and look like idiots for for discussing things so confusingly. But, <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I kind of went all over the place. I apologize. Oh, that's fine. But. I mean, um, I don't know. I just don't have a whole lot else to talk about, say about Lost World, since I feel like 
you know, I played it at PAX. I definitely enjoyed it. I feel like people are going to rag on it for having complicated controls. And uh, I just feel like it's just going to be hard, a little difficult to map. Uh, to understand at first but once you get used to it you can get you can do some pretty cool stuff like there's multiple branching paths through some of the levels and if you're willing to explore you can get some pretty good secrets uh and collectibles and stuff like that throughout the levels uh so you know it's aspects like that that kind of make me pretty happy about it and um you know i will say when i play the casino level i was like shocked by the fact that the pinball physics were an utter crap when I first started uh, having Sonic bounce through like the uh, the bumpers and things like that. Mm-hmm. It's kind of funny of like, man, I've been playing these Sonic games where it just automatically takes control of you and does all this weird stuff and to find none of that in Lost World, uh, at least from what I've played so far, is actually very surprising. Interesting. Well, I'm looking forward to what you uh, think about the game when you actually own it. Yeah. Uh, George, is there anything else you wanted to add about SLW for the uh, WU? Wait, 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 you're confusing me now. No, I don't know. Oh, no, no, no. I don't have anything to add. Uh, All right. I wanted to, well, I wanted to mention uh, just uh, if you guys haven't seen it, the people listening to this, go see the Yakuza, the TGS trailer for the Samurai game. Uh, right. uh, it's it's pretty uh pretty fucking awesome trailer they released they released a, a new cinematic trailer and a gameplay trailer and I I'm a big samurai fan so I would I would really want to play this game if it ever comes nice. out here so it seems it. like a spinoff that makes more sense than zombies but you know I don't yeah. really care that much for zombies but I I definitely like it definitely seems like an interesting concept to use a uh, samurai for uh you know for that you know for that kind of aspect. Uh, those kind of gameplay elements, basically. Yeah, because uh, the zombie one, they tried to switch it up to a shooting game, but the the, the controls took time to get used to. It was obviously mm-hmm. very lazily. It wasn't. They tried to change the gameplay, and it it didn't work out. I I just wanted to punch the zombies in the face when I was playing it. <laughs> but yeah, all right. Oh, I mean that. I think that's the show, right, Barry? Yeah, that's just about it. So um, if there's anything else you guys want to add. Uh, well, the NVIDIA Shield came out, and you get Sonic 4 Episode 2 for free with that, but nobody cares. Did you <laughs> did you buy it, Bartman? Nah, I don't have the money for it, and I don't really, I'm not really all that interested in it, only because, like, I've already got several other devices that play Android games. Uh, I just, I mean, and of course, if you want to, like, stream your PC to your handheld device, you have to have an NVIDIA card, and I don't like the NVIDIA brand, except for when take except... If unless Tegra, and only Tegra is involved, I don't care. Mm-hmm. Okay. So yeah, no, it, it seems like it seems like it might be okay though, uh, but you know, you get Sonic Four Episode Two for free if you care, maybe or not. <laughs> uh, I'll tell you this much: the uh, Sonic and the All Stars Racing game doesn't work with the game controller, so there you have you to go. use the touchpad for that. That's a nice selling point, right? <laughs> that, yeah, yeah. It doesn't work with the controller. <laughs> Very nice. How about you, George? Anything else? No, I think that's it. All right. Well, I'm good, too. So uh, I guess that ends our show. So let's all say our goodbyes. Goodbye from me, Barry. Goodbye from George. And goodbye from Bartman. Uh, I might try to stream. I definitely would try and stream more Dreamcast stuff before the end of the month. Uh, So we'll see what happens to that. All right. Bye.
Bye. Bye. Bye. Bye. Bye. Bye. Bye. Bye. Bye. Bye. Bye. Bye. Bye. Bye. Bye. Bye. Bye. Bye. Bye. Bye. Bye. Bye. Bye. Bye. Bye.